You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. Oh, I am. I am going. I am. I'm going to the top of the mythic, uh, not mythic, the uh, the arena ladder. Um, but I'm going up at a slow pace. Uh, standard has not been kind to me this week. All right. What what's uh, what seems to be the problem? Um, I actually don't know. I think my my win rate has been high. Um, I think I've been I got around a sixty percent win rate with uh, blue black control. Um, this was uh, as a list canister had uh, tweeted about. Uh, which I think I think it's, it's, it's a good list, but I think because all the games have just been very very long, uh, so even with a high win rate, um, I'm just not playing enough to 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 you know climb up the ladder. Uh, so I'm trying a few different decks out at the moment, but that is going well otherwise. Yeah, that is the issue with the controlling decks. How about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, we'll we'll come back to standard later, but yeah, I'm still floating around diamond three, diamond two. Um, sometimes I have a good run with some stuff, and then I just get knocked back down. So, yeah, still can't totally figure out this standard season, which doesn't bode well because I have a relatively large tournament coming up next weekend that I would like to do well in. So, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, first, we'll hit the news. And we had a lot of news this week. There was uh, much news from all quarters. Yeah, this, this is a, a, high, a high news uh, week. Uh, it all started immediately after we finished recording last week's episode. It did, yes. That's uh, that was quite unfortunate. Um, everything kicked off. Uh, last Monday was it? No, it was, it was still. It was actually last Sunday. Yeah. Uh, after we had recorded the episode. Uh, so it was the thirteenth of May. Everything kicked kicked off with uh, a tweet from the Magic Esports account, which said, "Jerry Thompson is resigning from the MPL for the twenty nineteen season. We wish Jerry the best in his endeavors and look forward to his continued involvement in the Magic community." So this obviously exploded and people were like what what's happening what's going on um however the wording of the of the tweet makes it clear that this is not the same situation as Owen Turtonwald it's not the same situation as Yuya Watanabe they're wishing him well so something has happened perhaps you know the the first thing people's minds went to was like family or health concerns which thankfully it wasn't any of that because these uh these questions were answered Mere moments later, when Jerry posted his Why I Quit the Magic Pro League post on the uh, Arena Decklist website. So I'll, I'll quickly go down his points here. Uh, actually, maybe I'll just read his TLDR. So he, he joined the Magic Pro League in the first place because it seemed easier to make a difference from the inside. I was wrong. The lack of transparency and unwillingness to listen to feedback continued to be huge issues. So this is this action that he's taken is in the vein of his world's protest from last year where he decided to protest the world championship by sitting it out uh, because of issues with the game lack of clarity on uh, the competitive system going forward and um, the, the quality of coverage and how that could be improved etc etc um, so yeah I'll, I'll go down a few of his uh, of jerry's points here so one was the the way that the contract negotiations were handled between Wizards of the Coast and the the MPL. So basically, it was just here are the MPL offers. There is no negotiation. You either want this or you don't. Um, yeah. Uh, the next one was uh, the 
poor some some of the issues with the the boot camp that they all went into Wizards HQ with. So Jerry felt that it was kind of useless for some people, especially people who who were flying halfway around the world for it. And there were a lot of uh, you know tools and links and things like that that were not were not followed up on. They were promised in the boot camp and then they weren't emailed or or sent to the participants until months later. And uh, feedback was ignored on contractual issues. Um, the his third point is that the mythic invitational was amazing and coverage was amazing for it and then coverage immediately went back to the status quo at the second mythic championship so he was like very nonplussed by that uh, his number four point was that there's still no communication and uh, any announcements for any kind of competitive magic are you know they, they take a long time they are not easily coaxed from uh, the wizards of the coast machine so they're they're coming at quite late times and they don't give people enough time to react to these things and people have people have lives people make plans quite far ahead you know sometimes people make plans months you know months ahead years ahead so yeah um announcements not very on time and his last point was that um the players selected to represent magic at its highest level were not thoroughly vetted so <laughs> he has some issue with the actual well you know, the process of selecting people for the MPL, I suppose. Uh, his second or his his sixth and final point is that there was no information about the Magic Online Championship Championship Series Finals, the MOX Finals. So basically he was unhappy. With, again, it's a messaging thing, but he was being more specific here. Um, so yeah, that's that was his final point. Um, I was shocked, but ultimately swayed by jerry's points here i think i basically agree with all of his points the biggest one for me is the the lack of communication with the with the competitive competitively minded players and you know something very simple like this the mythic qualifier weekend right that is coming this weekend next next weekend i guess if you're listening to this no this weekend if you're listening to this and uh, it wasn't announced exactly the date for it until last week so it's like Oh, I don't know. Um, like they they had announced it's either going to be at the end of May or the start of June, but there was no information on uh, times, what the event would be. All they all they said was it won't be best of one. Uh, how you enter the event, uh, how do you actually play your matches? Because there's no there's not really a, an interface on Arena for like a big tournament or whatever. Um, but yeah, all those things have been cleared up now, but that information came very late. I'm going on holidays, so I have to bring my laptop with me on holidays and stay up all night to try to uh, to compete in this thing. So yeah, um, so yeah, that was that was Jerry's announcement. What, how did you feel about it when you read all that? Um, yeah, I guess uh, yeah, I, I agree with all, all the points you made there, and I think it's um, I suppose when the NPL was first announced, it was, you know, it was kind of like a, it was a you know a good news story. Uh, it was like so in my mind, I thought, oh, this is this is exactly what you know, magic needs. This is the it's you know uh, beyond the MPL is a, you know, basically yeah, competitive magic is now going to be a viable career for people. It's going to uh, we're seeing um, yeah, because we're seeing there's a lot of money that's been injected into into high, into you know uh, into playing magic at a, at a high level. Uh, it's really kind of making this be yeah, basically making making the um, turning magic into a professional esport. So I guess since then we haven't really seen much about you know, the inner workings of the MPL, what's really involved. So I guess kind of with this statement, Jerry Jerry has really just pulled back the curtain and said, "Hey, actually, this isn't this isn't uh, as as ideal, and this isn't as perfect as uh, your wizards have made it out to be." 
So it is kind of sad that um that you know, yeah, just that there's, there are so many inherent issues with the MPL and so many inherent issues with the way organized play or interacting with the uh, MPL members in terms of negotiations, in terms of communication. Um, which I guess is the more I think about it, it gets it's it's very very big because just, just because I guess you know, the MPL has has uh, essentially replaced uh, you know platinum gold silver status uh, for professional players. So like we have lost a lot for the MPL to be in place, uh, and now we're. Basically, this week we 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 learned that the MPL really isn't uh, everything it was promised to be. Yeah, it does feel like a bit of a betrayal. Um, I mean, that's a very strong word, but you know what I mean. It, it, it's it's a peek behind the curtain, and what we see back there, we do not like. Um, yeah, like yeah. Kind, kind of pe- people have been people have been annoyed by what Wizards have been doing for the last, I would say, six months to a year in the way that they've been announcing things and changing things last minute and whatever. But it was always with the thing in the back of your mind and, you know, very reasonable people making arguments of, look, give Wizards a little bit of time. I'm sure they know what they're doing. They have a plan. Um, we just need to wait for some of these changes to shake out. Blah, blah, blah. It's all in good hands. It'll be fine. And this is a little bit of a, a, a an insight into the inner workings of the MPL. And, I mean, you would assume that MPL players have, you know, at least a little bit more information than than your average Magic player. And, I mean, they, they did. Jerry Jerry knew a little bit more. He was able to disclose things. Um, but it also seemed like it was still a shit show back there. Like, this goes back into, I think I mentioned this last week, the, the fact that the, the MPL players didn't know that their, their league thing existed until the same time that, the the public did that's insane to me like surely if it wasn't thrown together at the last minute they would have been notified a few weeks in advance so they could start thinking about decks and getting that ready because like it's a good bit of equity that they earn from from winning those those tournaments like they get skipped into day two of the arena mythic championships so like it's you know it's well worth your while putting effort into those those leagues um but yeah they they weren't told and they found out the same the same way you and I did, and at the same time you and I did. And yeah, that's just one example of these folks over at Wizards. You know, we love this game. Uh, it's fantastic. We like playing it competitively. We like playing it non-competitively, I'm sure, as well. We like it, but they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants, it feels like sometimes, where they have no idea what's coming next, and they'll deal with it when it gets here. And like that's fine sometimes. Yeah. With with things like this, where where people need to make decisions about their lives in advance, or people have been living a certain way for a number of years, like when you think about gold pros and and platinum pros, silver pros, you know these people have been you know following the point system, doing what they were supposed to do, and you know that rug has just been pulled out from under them, and now they don't really know what to do, and it's been over six months now, and there's still no direction. Nobody knows what you need to do to get into the MPL. Nobody knows what you need to do to make a living from Magic. Um, and this is only exacerbated by what happened in the wake of Jerry leaving. Um, so I suppose I'll, I'll just do a quick recap on that. Uh, after Jerry left, of course, that's two spots in the MPL that are now vacated. So when Owen uh, was let go or left the MPL, uh, his spot was filled by Autumn. Autumn was the the winner of the the first Mythic Championship. Uh, great player, great re- representative of the game. Felt like a, a very natural fit for that spot. 
But now here we are with two extra spots. I'm sure Wizards did not foresee any of this happening. I, I mean, I absolutely sympathize with them that this, this kind of thing did happen and forced them to make decisions. So they decided that instead of maybe going down the list and choosing somebody who was 33rd or 34th in the standings uh, that they went with before, and also instead of inviting the Mythic Championship 2 winner, Eli Loveman, which would be my natural inclination after kind of a precedent was established with Autumn, they decided to directly offer the two MPL spots to... Um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to say this in a way that, that doesn't sound like demeaning or anything. I, like diversity spots, I guess, is, is what they were offering. Like they use the words diversity. I don't know if it's um, like offensive of me to say diversity spots. I hope it's not because it's not, that's not the way I mean it. And yeah, those, those two spots were offered to Jess Estefan of Australia and uh, Savich, the, the streamer who has been streaming Arena a lot lately, and previously a Hearthstone pro and did pretty well in the Mythic Invitational. So, I mean, I, I think everybody has been saying this, everybody who, who, who is in discourse about this, is that obviously none of us hold any ill will towards Savich and Jess. They're great players. I mean, you can see that from the Mythic Invitational. Jess had really unique decks and did pretty well. Uh, Savich made a deep run in the tournament. He's obviously a, a very gifted Magic player. Uh, Jess is the highest... Uh, female pro points earner uh, at the moment and she's also the top pro points earner in Australia so you know we can certainly say you know these people do deserve this in whatever metric that you want to use however there are also other people in other metrics that maybe deserve it quote-unquote more and if you're going purely on a merit-based system then those other people would maybe make more sense to be offered the spots um wh what was your reaction to to this um yeah, so I, I, I guess yeah, a lot, a lot of actually we've been through yourself. I guess um, I, I think the glaring thing in this is that when the yeah when the NBL was first announced, it was it, everything was pretty basic metrics. It was so literally the top 32, 32 players. Um, so then it's it seems like again like Wizards you know, um, you know, well, going by flying on seat of seat of France as like making up as we go along. That um, yeah now, now that has changed. And I guess <clears throat> I mean my perspective is uh, I'd I'd be fine uh, with having uh, you know spots for diversity because I guess. I suppose I feel like diversity is very, very important and something that you know that the game does need. Um, so I guess I suppose kind of there's just some kind of there's the same rhetoric, same rhetoric we're seeing now uh, with people people complaining about um, you know the need for representation or the fact that these this, these spots are given away for for you know, quote unquote the sake of representation. Um, we are seeing that a little bit with the you know, when the uh, the players for the invitational were announced. Uh, you know, there, there's that that's still, that, that kind of discourse you know, came up on on Twitter. Um, so I guess yeah, I, I can I can see I can see I I can see why wizards have you know, why wizards um you know would choose to have representation representation be very important for the MPL because it is it's you know, it is a spectacle it is uh it, it is essentially a show um sorry I meant not the MPL sorry I mean the invitational the invitational is a spectacle the invitational is a show um and it was a chance yeah you know, for us to see diversity in the game and a chance to to see you know, players from different backgrounds players from uh, from um yeah, different games from uh, yeah from, from different backgrounds uh, competing. Um, so I guess it made sense, it made a lot of sense uh, for an invitational, and that was fine. Uh, but I guess even even you know, back at that point, uh, the MPL you know, was still just going to be the top 32 players. Um, and then we're really seeing now, yeah, we just have last minute just decided that you know, that is no longer that is no longer the case. Um, and yeah, they will be opening up uh, for for they will be opening up these positions uh, for diversity, uh, which has caused you know a lot of backlash um, 
on the Magic Twitter feeds. Yeah, and like as you say, I totally agree. There's nothing wrong with diversity. Um, everything that we're saying here on this pro- on this podcast is from our point of privilege. You know, where we are white men from the Western world. We are literally the most privileged uh, group in history. So you know, there there are implicit biases that we that we have and we can't we can't shake them but we can question them i guess and i have absolutely no problem with diversity and representation i think that's so important um for all types of groups and if we can you know like like affirmative action is is the thing here right like i think affirmative action is, is good if you don't see people like you succeeding at something you will be less incentivized to try that thing yourself or take that thing seriously yourself. We, we feel comfortable in magic because 90% or more, probably like 99% of what you see on screen and coverage is people like us, you know, like white guys, um, not that many women. Uh, I mean, there are, there are people of color, but not like as many as, (laughs) as the white people. Um, yeah. So I think it's great to get representation. I think the, the problem here stems from the mismanagement of expectations and the lack of communication so far on what people need to be doing to be at this top level. I think it just left a bit of a sour taste in people's mouth. I think uh, Savic's placement actually left more of a sour taste, certainly in my mouth and in many other people's, than Jess's because it's like, okay, yes, Jess is a very good Magic player. She's a GP winner. Uh, she has dedicated, you know, part of her life to magic, much like we all have. She clearly has the passion for the game. Uh, Savic has only been playing magic for a short time. Okay, let's not hold that against him. People, you know, everybody starts sometime, but it really feels like he, like it's, he's a professional streamer. He's not a professional magic player. Streaming is his thing. When there's a better opportunity, when a new game comes out, he'll move to that game. He's not going to play magic all the time. Whereas if you go to watch Huey Jensen or Reed Duke or um, Gabriel Nassif, you watch them stream, they're always streaming Magic. That's the only game that they stream because they are basically professional Magic players. That's what they want to do all the time. Where Savic just feels a bit more like a, a fair weather fan, if you will. Um, I, now, I don't know. I could be totally misrepresenting that. But yeah, basically, that, that's how people feel. And I think Wizards are setting a weird precedent here. And people just kind of are confused. They don't know what to do. People are getting this feeling that like, oh, well, so being a Magic Pro now is not about doing the best that I can, preparing for tournaments, traveling to tournaments, etc. It's more about how many views I can get and how popular I am. Well, that kind of sucks. Um, and like maybe, maybe there's room for both of those things. Uh, what I would like to see personally is have the MPL be purely like points-based or whatever the new system is. I don't even know. (laughs) There's no real system in place. But like the top 32 players in the world by results, I feel like should be the MPL. And the MPL can have their weekly league streams and those are, you know, going well and improving week by week. And then I feel like there should be like a streamer league or a community community league that's like a separate thing, which is purely invite-based and has like diversity everywhere as much diversity as you can cram in there um i think that would be great and and i'm not talking about just like a dinky little thing where it's like oh here's our token tournament for diversity like put as much money into it 
as the other stuff, but just make them different but equal, uh, I think is fine. And then hopefully by that action, those groups start to be represented more in competitive play. And over, you know, I'm, you know, many years, I'm sure those things might even out where your, your, your streamer league, whatever it is, maybe that is as diverse as the, as the MPL, as the top 32 players in the world. Like that's, that's the ideal scenario for me. I don't know if there could be a flaw with that, that I'm not anticipating. Yeah, I think it, I think it's just really clear. Well, I mean, it's it's clear that there's there's no way um, of knowing how to get into the MPL. Um, but it's uh, it's yeah, it, it is crazy that there's no yeah, there's really no path. I guess like before with the you know, again, just to reiterate that this is is replacing the uh, the the you know silver, bronze, gold, platinum system, uh, which was you know clear and was something that you know everyone knew you know how, how to get on this path of the pro tour. Everyone knows how to you know you know basically get get on the path of being a platinum pro. Um, yeah, but now it's just so yeah, so ill-defined um, that like yeah, it's it's really 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 don't know what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. Points that like it's it's well, we've seen um, the uh, invitational and um, uh, like the beta draft uh, as being like kind of ways of expanding the magic community uh, outside of the top thirty-two pros. Um, so it's also something that's that's already been happening. Uh, something that you know would make sense for that to continue happening and uh, maybe to to have more resources put into that. Um, yeah, really for yeah, representation and for expanding the audience. Because uh, I guess, yeah, like, you know, it, uh, like I said, even if Savitz is a very, very good magic player, uh, it is just because of his audience. It seems like it is because of his audience that he's been invited on TMPL. Um, so it's, it, it, if, if, we're, if we're, Wizards are already doing, making all these efforts to um, yeah, increase diversity, to increase your audience, uh, based on what the MPL initially was announced to be, uh, the MPL doesn't necessarily seem like the right place to do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And look, I mean, being optimistic, I think like maybe this is only very temporary and this kind of thing is coming in the future. And Wizards, as like I said before, I'm very sympathetic. They got blindsided by these really awkward situations for them where, the, you know, this is the inaugural year of the MPL and they've had to remove two players already and one player quit very publicly. Like it sucks for them. It's going to be hard. But and, and maybe they're just trying to do the best that they can in that situation but i think just the 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 circumstances all just added up to people feeling very mixed it, it's basically i think it boils down to people who have put a lot of time and effort and love and and competition and and you know blood sweat and tears into this game suddenly feeling like oh well someone who is just as successful as me at this game which like maybe not could be not very successful so far you know they're they're very similar to you all of a sudden they just got a boost way over me way beyond what i'll ever get purely because they're popular on social media or they have a lot of twitch followers or something like that and that's that's the essence i think of of the bad feelings and i feel that myself as well i'm not saying that that's other people nebulous people out there who are feeling that that's that's that was my gut reaction I might be like wrong to feel that way, and like that's not exactly what's happening at all. Um, but I think that's where the bad feeling comes from. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Because I think it's just, it's just a lack of clarity. I mean, I feel like even if I mean, because 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 I think yeah, we're both on the same page in terms of how important diversity is. Um, I think uh, like even if the, when the MPL was first announced, uh, even if they said here we're going to take some players from the top thirty-two, uh, we're also going to take uh, you know, you know, uh, yeah, you know, 
you know, kind of players to our discretion uh, to be included. Uh, if something like that was was if, if the initial statement was that this you know this essentially would be a non news story, you know, we wouldn't um because I mean I understand why it's important to have uh, uh speeds as or yeah well, well I say I understand why it's important to have uh, say Jess as, as a fan on the MPL. Uh, I understand why we just want to have someone like Sweets on on the, the MPL. Um, so kind of yeah, it makes sense as to why they're doing it. Uh, but they kind of they kind of done it at, for this. They've done it um, for the uh, kind of the, the price that we're paying for this is that we now long that we now have no idea how to get there. And let's say it's yeah, probably it's harder for players who are right up there at the top uh, who didn't make it initially who are thinking, well, like what do I do? It was very clear how to make it to the pro how to make it to the MPL. Uh, but now it's just not. So there really is is a gap to be filled uh, here by by Wizard. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was ever very clear, but it was maybe maybe people assumed that it was clear, but now it's not. Um, and yet, yeah, yeah, exactly. That makes people a bit annoyed. Yeah, I, I feel bad for those people who who are gold pros who who just missed the cut off, kind of just being left out in the cold. I know, I know, you have to cut it off somewhere. Like you can't include everybody, but it just feels really bad. And like it also, you have players like um, Greg Orange, who was part of the team that won. The, I mean, the whole team in general, uh, they're, they're the team who won the Dominaria uh, Pro Tour or Mythic Championship, whatever, they have been passed over for membership in the MPL or spots at tournaments or whatever, like several times now. Like they didn't get a spot at the Mythic Invitational, didn't get into the MPL, didn't get either of these spots. And people very rightly pointed out that, you know, Greg Orange is a, a person of color certainly would have fit into some diversity quotas if that's what Wizards is into. Um, so I think that gender representation is, is not the only important thing. Of course, it's it's great to get gender representation, but you also, you know, if you're actively choosing to do affirmative action, things like that, I think you need to try, you know, strive to represent all groups. Yeah, and, and, and I'm just, I'm the honest about it, I guess, yeah, is, uh, is what I should be doing. Um, I don't know, yeah, so it's almost like, like the, the, overall, it's just everything. Everything that's happened over this past week has just really just shifted, um, you know, our perception as what the MPL is and where the MPL is going. Um, you know, so longer this paradise of uh, oh, your life is sorted out. You get a you have a career in magic once you make it. Um, so now <laughs> it's like first of all, we don't know. Well, first of all, it, it, the the way negotiate based on Jerry's uh, statement, the way negotiations were were held, uh, seems like you know players are getting a raw deal when they're on the MPL. And uh, now it's like even less defined as to how we even get there in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of crap all around. Um, one extra part that I forgot to mention is uh, that embedded in all this talk and announcement, they they announced that uh, the Arena Mythic Championships will now have 16 discretionary slots added to them. So previously, I think they were 54 or 52 player, 52 player tournaments, I want to say. Yeah, 30, 32 MPL plus... Four four highest placers from the previous Arena Mythic Championship plus uh, sixteen challengers from Arena. I think so, fifty two. But now they they say that they're adding sixteen discretionary slots for we will add whoever we want to these Arena Mythic Championships, which also kind of sucks because it's like oh, are they just going to hand this out to streamers? Like some of the streamers that they had at the Mythic Invitational were streamers with very low viewer counts. And you're just sitting there kind of going, well, I could easily be a streamer with 50 viewers a day. I know people who are streamers with 50 viewers or whatever. Why aren't they there? It kind of feels crap. But, you know, I have to get over it, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah. The uh, I, I, It remains to be seen how they're going to 
you know who they're going to invite in those slots. And but I I think they did they did reference uh, Elaine Chase. I think who is the the head of of uh, head of organized play. I think she is. Um, she maybe she's not the head of organized play. I can't remember her exact role in Wizards. But anyway, she she was the one who gave the magazine interview announcing all this stuff, and she said you know those slots are kind of booked or 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 leaning towards diverse picks um they want to get get a good mix of people in for that like again i think it's great let's have those people there fantastic but it just leaves people with a bit of a funny taste but you know look we we have thrived in this merit-based system we have lived in this merit-based system and so has everyone else but to even participate in the merit-based system you have to be privileged so maybe i'm just talking out of my ass here and if i am that, you know, I would love to hear from people to change my opinion because I want to be I want to be correct on this. You know what I mean? I don't want to just shoot from the hip and be wrong and offensive. That's not ever what I want. Yeah, and you know, on that point of this being uh, a mer- on you know, the idea of a merit based system, it was a point that was raised by uh, uh, Jerry and Brian on the um, the redacted redacted podcast. Is, uh, uh, Jerry Thompson's podcast. He had an episode where he elaborated on the reason why he left on uh, so these changes to the MPL to the players on the. But I guess it's uh, they they raised point which I hadn't really thought of much before. Whereas like because you know magic magic as a game is financially gated that it's it's inherently biased towards people who are privileged, who are in privileged positions, uh, people who are able to afford to travel, who are able to afford uh, cards, um, people who are basically or people who have lots of connections within a network. Um, and I guess this, this, this is something that we're almost we, we almost kind of see this ourselves. Uh, you know, being a community based in Ireland, um, where you know we don't like even even though like you mentioned earlier, yeah, like you know, as as uh, whites as males, we have a lot of uh, inherent advantages you know, in our lives. Uh, in in many, in many aspects, even outside of magic, you know, we 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 have uh, all these privileges. Uh, then you know even though as a part of that, because we're part of a small community in an island, uh, it's harder for us to travel to to um, to magic tournaments. Uh, so we are we are less privileged than people say so people in the states so say people on the on, on the east coast who have lots and lots of options for magic tournaments uh, who can travel to magic tournaments who have uh, who are who, who, who are basically parts parts of who are parts of a larger community of of uh, magic players who um you know, they can they can share resources they can carpool they can share cards they can lend cards uh, to allow everybody to to compete more so I guess there's so many things about not, not even magic just as a game but magic you know, even even in terms of magic as a game, which is financially gated, but also uh, competing regularly is financially gated and almost kind of community community gated. That if you are, um, you know, slightly different, or if you're if you're from another country, uh, or if you're from a country that doesn't have a, a strong competitive background, you're not going to be able to um, you know network with uh, competitive players and uh, you know play play competitively more often. So I guess they're, they're basically just based on magic as, as itself. Uh, it's very, very difficult for it to be a purely uh, metric-based system. Uh, it's you know, to be purely a, 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 a meritocracy. A meritocracy. So, I suppose, broadly speaking, I'd almost, I'd, I'd welcome these changes. Um, I, I, I welcome Wizards trying to make the game uh, more diverse. Uh, if you're doing that to the, at the expense of competitive magic, you know, I suppose for me personally, competitive magic was already dead uh, when they got rid of the PPTQ, the PPTQ, the PPTQ system here uh, in Ireland. So. Um, if if they're yeah so it's 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 because so because I'm no longer able to compete uh, because they changed the system I have to go to like there's tournament on in the UK um, right now uh, some some uh, mythic championship qualifiers uh, so because so like th- this weekend was my only chance to compete um, in 
at competitive Oriel. Uh, I, I, I have family stuff on this weekend, so I couldn't go. So, so, so for me or myself, it's it's difficult. It's more it's far more difficult for me to to, to play a match competitively. And then same for you as well. Over over Vietnam, obviously you you have your options. Um, so I guess <laughs> I suppose what I'm saying is uh, we had the likes of Ben Stark who been saying that you know these changes by the MPL, um, you know bringing in people quote unquote for the sake of diversity uh, has killed competitive magic. Uh, I'd say that competitive magic uh, died uh, six months ago. Uh, we're only realizing it now. <laughs> It's been on life support, or it's been clinically dead since then. Uh, yeah, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, like you mentioned, Vietnam, like or me being here, like competitive magic was never alive here. So, and there are many places in the world where that's the case. You know, countries in Africa, uh, some countries again, like in Asia, um, in the Middle East, in some countries in South America. Uh, well, actually, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure if there. I'm sure there are some countries in South America that are not represented in like the World Magic Cup or whatever. Um, but yeah, there are there are plenty of places in the world where competitive magic never existed, and so it's always been dead there. Um, and maybe Ireland is <laughs> the newest city, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's possible. Um, well, we all have arena now, so exactly. There, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's all arena. Yeah, Magic the Arena. It's now Magic is now a video game. Um, yes. Well, speaking of Arena, let's move on to uh, the standard meta game. <laughs> and oh, what a meta game it's been! Yes. Um. So <laughs> I mentioned this before. I mentioned it last week. That standard has been a wild ride, and I would expand that now to say that standard is the wild west. You can do whatever you want in this format. You can go nuts. Well. I would say that the only thing you can't do is Simic Nexus, but there's still people trying that, um, even though Teferi is like such a powerhouse in the standard or in, in the format. Um, yeah, I mean, just deck diversity is crazy. Even decks that are very similar, there's no, there's basically every deck, there's no agreed upon list. There's like loads of flex slots and you see people building things in like totally different ways. Even something like as straightforward as Mono Red, you see people having like totally different uh, top ends for their mono red lists, different numbers of cards like Fanatical Firebrand, Skewer the Critics, Wizards Lightning, things like that. Um, yeah, this standard is, is absolutely crazy. And just in terms of uh, like new deck discoveries or, or deck developments, over like si- since we recorded our last episode, another new deck has risen to prominence. It was all kind of two decks or one is an evolution of the other. So it's a, a deck based on Command the Dread Horde. Uh, so you've got basically, it started out as a Sultai deck with the Explore package and then Command the Dreadhorde as like the top end. So obviously the interaction there is pretty nice. You are exploring things into your graveyard. So you can explore away all your Planeswalkers if you want or all your other creatures. And as your creatures are dying, all you want to do is extend the game, extend the game, extend the game until you get to six mana and you just cast Command the Dreadhorde, and you get everything back from your graveyard. And it doesn't matter if it does, like, 20 damage to you. Well, you know, maybe 20 is too too much. But uh, if it does 19 damage to you, that's fine, because you're probably getting back, like, one to two Wild Grow Walkers and a bunch of, like, Jade Light Rangers and stuff. So you just gain all the life back again immediately. And then this deck has Tamio. Tamio is a pain in the ass in this deck. It has a massive loyalty. Anything you kill around the Tamio... Or anything that they explore, they can just minus the Tamiyo to get back into their hand. Uh, they regularly plus the Tamiyo looking for Command the Dreadhorde. And then 
uh, as soon as they bring everything back from their graveyard with the command the Dreadhorde, if you've killed the Tamiyo earlier and it's in the graveyard, they'll just minus the Tamiyo immediately to get get the command of the Dreadhorde back. So it doesn't even matter if you kill all their stuff again. They'll just get it back again. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, I, I've heard a lot about this deck uh, over the week. Um, I've seen some people stream it, but um, I, I, I didn't have the privilege of losing to it uh, until last night when um, I was playing uh, Blue Black Control uh, against this. I felt like I was totally control of the game. I was like, yeah, I have uh, an active Miscanta. I have an active uh, Liliana. I have an active Kefnet. I don't have any cards in my hand, but uh, you know, I'm completely in control of this game. I'll be fine. Uh, then they just cast Commander Dread Horde and got uh, like about ten permanents back. Um, so like as the spell were resolving, they went down to they went down to one life. Um, so I'm thinking, oh, this is fine. You know, uh, they're still dead in the air. This is okay. And then they immediately just went to back up to like twenty eight after all these uh, triggers resolved. And then I'm just left like you know, they passed the turn to me. I'm like, well, <laughs> what can I do? It's like they've they've gained card advantage. They've gained card advantage, tempo, and life. Uh, but one card, um, it's absolutely nuts. So I guess kind of, uh, I was talking to a few Irish players who are over uh, in the UK playing in the MCQ right now. And um, yeah, I guess kind of this deck was just emerging just, you know, as as as, as uh, the lads were, were getting their, their lists finalized. I guess kind of conclusion that I think this Commander Dreadhorde deck has no bad matchups. Uh, it's it's basically, it, it plays out like a very strong mid-range deck with a oops, I win button. And uh, we've seen time and time again that these are the strongest decks in Magic uh, are generally... So they can win on the axis of a mid-range creature-based combat uh, strategy. Um, and, it, and it just happened now, this, this uh, card that wins on the game if they're behind. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you would think that the natural predator of this deck would be something like a Nexus deck, because it doesn't matter how many permanents you're getting back from the graveyard if you never take another turn in the game. And, I mean, there is a card in Standard which solves that problem. Um of fighting against Simic Nexus, and that card is Teferi Time Raveler because it, you know, the Nexus deck just doesn't work when Teferi Time Raveler is in play. In play, um, and I think that just having the Teferi in the format, like it being so popular in like the Jeskai decks and the Esper decks, would just keep Simic or Nexus decks out of the format, which it does to a large extent. But you still see them the odd time. But the whoever made this. Command the Dreadhorde deck was not satisfied with piggybacking off the the Teferis of, of other people. No, no, no. They were like, oh, we got to get these Teferis in, in this deck. Got to sort that out. And yeah, so now this is just a four-color deck with the craziest mana base ever. So it's got like Jade Light Ranger and Wildgrowth Walker and Merfolk Branch Walker. So you need a lot of green sources. But you've also got Command the Dreadhorde, which is double black. And then you're sitting on Teferi Time Raveler and Teferi Hero of Dominaria because they're like, well, if we've got one, we might as well throw the other in. And uh, yeah, so and these these cards are all trying to be supported in the same deck. And that's why it's running Interplanar Beacon now, uh, which is the one that can tap for two mana of any color or two mana of different colors for Planeswalker spells, I think it is. Um, and yeah, the the card the the deck is is way too consistent for what it is. And I think it's in a very interesting spot. I think I agree with you that it might be the best deck at the moment because normally with a deck like this, you have two options. It's basically a mid-range deck. It's a big mid-range deck. So you can either go way over the top or you can go really fast and underneath. So the the over the top option in this format pretty much is Nexus, but Teferi answers that problem. And the underneath option is Mono Red, but the Explorer package with Wildgrowth Walker and Jade Light Ranger solves that problem. So 
two decks that that might be decent against this deck instead just don't have good matchups against it because it is naturally built to resist those things. So I think it might actually be the best deck in standard. And you you told me about a quote that Dave had said, uh, Dave C eighty nine on Twitter and on Twitch um, about he he said that it's a uh, it's rally it's rally the ancestors it's that deck and I totally. Like, it's not Rally the Ancestors, but it is Rally the Ancestors. <laughs> I totally agree. It works in the same way. It feels the same to play against. It's like they just use loads of cards with decent synergy on the board. You remove a couple of them, and then they just cast this card that gets everything back from their graveyard and gives them a ton of resources again, and you just can never win the game. Yeah, well, when I first heard that, that uh, Rally uh, comparison, I, I just dismissed it as hyperbole. Then I guess when I, I just uh, like opened up the list and just looked at the list and then yeah I started to realize like Jesus Christ it's, I think I think that is accurate um, yeah it, it really just fights them it's a deck that goes, that, that yes it's a mid range deck that just has this win condition that's on an axis that no other no other decks on the, in the format are attacking um, and yeah that's like you know, we, it's 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 difficult to just really have yeah, the ultimate go over card um, it's if, very difficult to go to go under because you know. Um, something like Mono Red is, is naturally just very bad against the Explorer package. Um, so it's, yeah, if, if, if this is a deck, um, it's, uh, I'm kind of struggling to think how, how we fight against it. Well, one thing that I considered would be the um, uh, Simic uh, Mass Manipulation deck. So going over it doesn't have to be Nexus taking turns. It can just be Ramp, make a huge Mass Manipulation and steal all your stuff. That way the stuff isn't going to the graveyard. So there's nothing, there's no material in there to get back. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's that, that's definitely um uh, another set people would take. Uh, I think sorry, right now arena, I'm playing um a green black, just a, a, a Golgari mid range deck um with a field rune. So yeah, you mentioned that the the, the that the mana base is on top of the deck. The mana base in the deck is crazy. So I, I would notice that in a lot a lot of decks. Um, you know, I'm playing um yeah, so it's like well, Gary, it's you know, I, I have the explore package. I have uh. So double green for you know turn three. I have uh, Brassic's attempt for turn four. I also have uh, uh, the four drop whose name you're forgetting the, the new legendary four drop, the five four trample. Um Edvik. Right. Yes. Um the, the zombie elf. Yeah. Um so kind of yeah, my 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 base still demands uh you know you know double green, double 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 green and double back. So I so sometimes I've just been firing off uh, field rune just to uh, just fix my mana for turn four. Uh but then I noticed that against um multiple decks. Uh, opponents just haven't been searching for a basic, so a lot of these decks are, are very thin on the number number of basic basic lands running. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's against uh, yeah, four quarter four quarter uh, Dreadhorde deck, um, uh, Bant Nexus uh, as well. I was surprised that they didn't go get it. They, they, they didn't go get a, a basic. Um, and uh, with these SC, these super friend decks uh, at the moment uh, on on the SCG tier right now, it's uh, uh, Esper against uh, Jeskai uh, super friends because these are playing the likes of Interfander Beacon. They're playing. Uh, the creature, creature land that becomes a three-three. Um, so I guess maybe the actually we take is that we, we we just punish these very 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 greedy greedy man of um, also running um, uh, assassin's trophy, which uh, you know, I I've been in situations where I had to fire off an assassin's trophy uh, on turn you know on, on turn three or four, which is still definitely not what you want to be doing it because you know, an extra land for your opponent on turn three is uh, worth a lot more than an extra land for your opponent on on turn seven. Uh, but boom. Now, like more than once now, I've cast Assassin's Trophy and they have failed to find uh, a basic to ramp into. Uh, so may- maybe this is one approach we take. Uh, my win rate right now has been positive. It's been very positive with uh, Green Black. 
uh, on Arena. But um, I'll play some more games and see if that stays, <laughs> that stays positive. Yeah, that does seem like a promising avenue, to be honest, because I have... I've been thinking about that myself lately, that most of this standard seems to be just like super greedy three to, in some cases, four color decks that are just playing like all of the shock lands and check lands and then like max one or two basics. And it's just like, I mean, this format just basically seems to me like choose three colors and then choose the best cards in those colors and make sure you have a curve and your deck's done. Yeah, um, it reminds you of yeah, the, the, the cans, uh, the FC standard. When uh, yeah, that, that was really the name of the game. Yeah, pick four colors. Pick one color you don't like. Don't play that color. Play all the other cards. I had a I, I had a mild heart attack when uh, I put on like yesterday. I switched on the SCG tour. Uh, in between in between rounds, they've been uh, basically showing uh, footage from opens from a few years ago. So uh, I saw uh, Todd Anderson play. Uh, I just turned it on to see Todd Anderson playing in a deck which uh, was labeled as Jess Guy Black. And uh, the game was just finishing. They were just shuffling um, as, as the game was over. And I was like, Oh my God! Is is Jess Guy Black back? Are we down in a, in a four color uh, four color standard? Um, turns out this is just old footage, uh, but it probably is a, an accurate representation of <laughs> of where this format might end up. You know, potentially. I think I think most of the four color decks seem to be leveraging like Interplanar Beacon or some other kind of special land. I think um, we're not quite in that territory yet. I think uh, we're we're not. It's not such a broken mana base system as as that particular one. That I mean, that one was just utterly insane. And I think this one is, is merely very, very good compared to that one. Um, but yeah, it definitely seems like people are getting greedy and punishing the mana base could certainly be a way to go. Um, I, I mean, I like Mono yeah. Red. I, I like Mono Red in this type of a meta, meta game as well because, you know, people are playing lots of shock lands. They're just naturally helping you. Um, obviously, every deck still is packing ways to deal with Mono Red in the sideboard. But, you know, you can still just get there doesn't matter if people have hate sometimes they just don't draw it or sometimes it's not good enough so i think mono red is still good um i personally once that um once that deck the command the dreadhorde deck started appearing everywhere i tried putting uh some graveyard hate in my sideboard i put in the silent silent gravestone or silent tombstone is that what it's called you know that one i think it's gravestone yeah yeah uh, i haven't seen this in a while um yeah so I, I put that one sided. It is no, I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's symmetrical. So it says cards in okay. graveyards can't be the target of spell or spells or abilities. Um, maybe maybe it is only one sided. Let me. Sorry, so yeah. So silent gravestone uh, cards graveyards can't be targets. Yeah, exile uh, all cards all graveyards and draw a card. Yeah. Uh, I guess what, command dread horde is that target? Yeah, command the dread horde does target. Any number of targets. Okay. Yeah, this could be an avenue to take. Yeah, I mean, like, the good thing about the Silent Gravestone is that it cantrips, so you'll always get that back. It's easy to play on turn one. You can leave it sitting sitting in play. I mean, when I played it, my opponent, I could see my opponent mousing over it and then looking at their hand. So I even got some equity there in the sense that I knew that they had Command the Dreadhorde in their hand because they were obviously reading it to check does it target. Um, and then, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and but the only thing is, the deck does have a way to get around it. They have Teferi. So if they're able to play small Teferi and command the Dreadhorde in the same turn, then you are in a bit of trouble. Uh, and you probably... You, you need to keep up the Silent Gravestone's activ- activation to, uh, to to activate it and exile the graveyards in response to Teferi's bounce. Oh, yeah. No, that's... Um... 
god, and, and, and the four mana is a lot to keep up. Yeah, the the other option is a uh, Sentinel Totem, which I I had some of those in the sideboard as well. I just kind of wanted to test both out, but I never I never drew the Sentinel Totems. So the Sentinel Totem is is one mana for an artifact, same as Silent Gravestone. And when it enters the battlefield, you can scry one, and then it just has the ability tap, sacrifice, exile all cards from all graveyards. So you, you don't have to hold up any mana for it, but it doesn't cantrip. You you just get a scry when it comes in. So that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I think overall Silent Gravestone is the better card, especially because the Command the Dreadhorde deck requires so much setup. Um, however, there is another graveyard-based deck that has made a massive resurgence recently, and that does not require like so much setup. It often goes off in one turn, and that is Is It Phoenix. So Is It Phoenix has come back in a big way. It's had results at like uh, where exactly was it? It was at the Mox, I think. Uh, or not at the mocks. It was in like a pre pre tournament to the mocks. We had uh, is a phoenix doing well in a super arena qualifier. Um, oh, it was a it was an MCQ. That's what it was. It was uh, oh yeah the player who won the Magic Online MCQ was playing is it phoenix, and then it had a few other uh, decent finishes in other other tournaments around that. So yeah, is a phoenix also became the hot thing on arena for five minutes. Uh, I was also playing it myself. This this also kind of seems like a deck where there's not that many bad matchups. There's nothing really super polarized, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's um yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think of uh, where is it one of the the, the space is a phoenix occupied uh, last season. Um, yeah, I, I think the likes of like maybe it struggles with just the control decks. You know, maybe Esper versus Rack. Um, felt like people. I remember people are always divided over its its uh, its matchup with Gary. Um, well, I guess once you have a big creature, it's very difficult to deal with. Uh, Gruel, I think, is is difficult, but yeah, these are all decks that just aren't really prevalent anymore. Yeah, I mean, the Sultai problem can come up still against the Command the Dreadhorde deck, and also Command the Dreadhorde can put your own Arclight Phoenixes into play from your graveyard, so that could be a problem. Um, oh yeah, because Command the Dreadhorde gets cards from from any graveyard. Um, Yes, Gruel is decent against Arclight Phoenix, but it's not an auto win. It's it's favored, but not like super favored. And then yeah, it's mad the way you see these trends on Arena. Like it's like everyone's playing Command the Dreadhorde, then that's gone, just gone, and everyone's playing Arclight Phoenix, then that's gone, and everyone's playing Gruel. I literally saw that progression that we've just described here together. I saw that as I was playing Arena all in one day. That's yeah, that's, that's that is great. Um. I mean, it's just it's great seeing that the, the format's evolving. Uh, I wish we had more data. Um, just you know, I'm sure that the trends uh, will be very, very interesting. Uh, I guess it's kind of something I hope. <laughs> In a way, I remember back back when they announced Arena, um, when they were kind of describing how uh, the, the economy in Arena would work. They were saying they didn't want to have any dusting of cards because they didn't want people to feel bad. So we have this really kind of crappy vault system in place uh, instead. Um, in a way, I feel like this almost lends to people now having multiple decks uh, to really kind of quickly switch back and forth, which is something that you know, wouldn't necessarily happen on Magic Online um, uh, that, that often. Yeah, it's quite true. You, you like e- Even if people have like the ability to sell their cards on Magic Online, they can you know very maybe quickly trade into a new deck. It still is like a whole big process where you're like, I have to go to the bot, I have to sell my cards, I have to buy the new cards that I want. It's going to take me so long. Ah, I'll just enter a league with this deck. I know it's fine. So like it's that kind of apathy that will keep the Magic Online results like, or not even the Magic Online results, but rather the uh, flavor of the matches, like what matches you're playing against. It, it'll keep them feeling the same over time, or more so than 
on an arena whereas arena is so immediate with your deck choices it's so easy with deck building um if you're looking at like mtg goldfish you just export to arena the deck list and you just copy it in you have it there straight away um yeah i I think that's a that's a great point that the the nature of the economy in arena probably does lend itself to people having multiple decks and being able to switch easily yeah yeah i think and then it probably is a matter of just meta itself just actual the 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 card pool and the the, just basically the fact there's no single broken deck uh in the past uh, i've thrived most uh, when uh, deck selection was was not an option, I, I mentioned this before in a podcast where uh, when I was going to my the the last RPTQ, um, I put a lot of thought into the deck I was choosing because before that, you know, it was always very evident what the best deck was. Uh, from like if it was uh, you know black, red, if it was a uh, blue deck, um, or or you know even Max Forest. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 refreshing to be playing. I suppose it's refreshing to be playing in a format where there's no one obvious uh, best deck. Uh, but I, I am losing more now than I have been before. Uh, when go <laughs> my, my, my approach to magic, something I, I always kind of enjoyed uh, doing was just kind of taking one deck and just learning it inside out, knowing the matchups inside out, um, knowing exactly what the plan is. Uh, but now I think in, in this format, this uh, brave new world, uh, you need to be quite so to do well in the arena, especially you need to um, uh, just just be a diverse enough player to be able to switch decks and. Uh, you kind of yeah, cycle with the, with, the, with the metagame as it goes through its phases. Yeah, I felt exactly the same thing. Like I, I was the same, like thriving in, in that system of clear, established best deck or like maybe one or two best decks and, you know, picking one, evolving sideboard choices from week to week, maybe moving things between made and side. Um, that was something that I was, I feel like I was good at. And then this, I'm like less good at. I feel like I identify the trends very well, but then like obviously this is like some kind of bias and it ties into what i was saying last week as well i feel like i i'm identifying the trends very well and then i make a change of my deck based on the trends that i'm seeing and then i immediately get matched up against someone who has leveled me and picked a deck that's good against the deck that i picked to be good against another person yeah that's that's very frustrating um and then maybe maybe you just uh level them back uh you're like hey uh you know this is um you know, everyone's you know, everyone's playing rock. Uh, it makes sense for you to switch to uh, to paper, but just instead switch to scissors. Uh, isn't that the actual way to win rock paper scissors? Isn't the strategy for rock paper? Yeah. Like... No, I mean, I mean in terms of what people are playing. Uh, oh, you mean competitive rock paper scissors? Yeah. Isn't that like the well, I'm, I'm optimal strategy for rock paper scissors? Is like go one one back from what you chose last time. Oh yeah, actually, I I. I I, I don't know. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not familiar with that competitive scene. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's, you know, it, it's probably a poor analogy because uh, it, it's more so about deck choices. Um, but yeah, if, if uh, yeah, maybe just play what's weak against the field. And I suppose, well, well, yeah, it's not a great analogy because there's more than three decks, there's more than three archetypes. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, like, is, is there any value to just uh, stick, stick into one deck and just uh, sticking your heels in and just being very good at that? And then just let the metagame evolve around you? Like sometimes you have very good days, sometimes you have very bad days. Yeah, I think there is. Um, but I, I, I would say if, if you do that, um, or if I were to do that, it would have to be for me like some kind of aggressive or proactive deck because I'm not. You, you just can't sit on like a reactive deck. I, I think in that kind of a situation. Also, counter spells are really bad right now. If you put absorb in your deck, you're making a mistake. So yeah, I think if that is the plan then go all the way with that plan and be proactive. Yeah, 
yeah, I'll that. And well, I suppose maybe again, that's not, that's not great for a, a ladder system. Um, if you have a really, really good day and then a really, really bad day, uh, you've made no progress. Yes, but how, like, how do you feel? Like, obviously, you felt really good one day and you felt really bad another day. Which one? Which one is more important? Do they actually cancel each other out if you've done literally exactly as good into as bad? Do, do those feelings cancel each other out? I, I mean, I would posit that they probably don't. I would posit that the, the negative feelings are going to be much stronger and, and they'll stand out more in your mind after it's finished. Um, like people get ladder anxiety. It's a real thing. Um, it's I used to get it in... I, I don't get it with magic, but I used to get it with like things like Overwatch or StarCraft. I would just be freaked out about starting a new game and potentially losing rank. Like in magic, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's good because I feel like... Kind of, I, I, it would be very easy to fall into that uh, magic. I mean, sometimes I'd like, sometimes it's it's it's, it's kind of a, a thought process I'm aware of. I'm trying to keep a bay. Like sometimes I'd, I think even like last night I had like an absolutely, actually maybe two nights ago, I had an absolutely amazing game uh, against. Uh, oh, I, I think it was I was be back against um, Gary and like it was really just like down to like decking of the last card and I, I felt like a super genius uh, for for winning a game that I was very very far behind, but I managed to strategically deck them. Um, and then, like, so, you know, I, I, I you know, moved, I got some, got some you know, moved up in, in on the other frat. This the next game, I just lost some on red because I missed an So then it almost felt like, oh, I just negated my, uh, you know, mana screw has completely negated uh, my, my, my uh, god, like, play skills uh, from an error. Uh, I mean, you can't think that way, I guess. You, you just gotta, you just gotta, you know, you know, put that behind you and just uh, focus on the game and just do whatever you can to increase your percentage. Yes, I have had literally the exact same situation happen to me where I had an amazing, really long game. It took a lot of skill to win it, and then you just stumble and lose to mono red, or you mulligan to four or something like that in the next game, and there was there was no chance ever of you winning it. I've had the exact same situation, and I'm sure lots of people um, who are listening have had the same situation themselves. And yeah, I think what you said of just like ignore it or like what you're saying there is basically a, a glass half full, glass half empty situation where you're thinking, oh, well, I had this amazing game. Then I had another game later where I lost in very quick fashion and it was not, they were very like non-games. And you're saying that the the non-game canceled out the, the victory. But you could also equally say that, you know, the victory cancels out whatever last loss you had. So it's a... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's some perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's true. Oh, I will. All right, I'm psyched to, to climb back, back up on the ladder and to start uh, strip mining and sinkholing people with uh, with um, black midrange. No, sorry, with uh, green black midrange. Green black midrange. Yeah, I mean, you can do that in blue black as well. You can, the, the mana's good there. You can feel the runes on people. Oh, yeah, well, I think also just, you know, Assassin's Trophy. Um, oh, yeah. I, I've yet to, I was saying on one point as well, I was Assassin's Trophying. Um, uh, Band Nexus players lands to keep them off seven mana. <laughs> it's like they didn't have a recognition day for the I mean, it's certainly a strategy. I don't know if it's the best strategy, but it's a strategy. Um, but it won, so it was the best strategy. All right, makes sense. I think it was like uh, the only way they lose is they get rid of a Nexus and uh, get a, a second activation off their fairy. Oh, okay. okay. No, that obviously was no. If that was the case, I would have killed the fairy. I can't remember what it was. It felt like it was the right thing to do <laughs> based on whatever board there was at the time. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I think, well, I, we'll, we'll wrap up now in a second, but maybe I'll just ask, what what are you going to look at playing in the in the week to come? So green, black, anything else? Um, 
was that yes, oh yeah, the Green Black. Uh, I've seen some. I've seen some uh, Sultai lists. I might. Uh, I've seen Sultai, like, Sultai lists with. Um, I think actually with Grand Dreadhorde or even even with with, with Tamio, but not Grand Dreadhorde. Um, so I'll see. I guess as well because I also play record in paper. Uh, it's interesting that just this was kind of back to previous point where I used to be very good at just you know picking one one deck and just playing it like you know, playing it to death on Magic Online and just knowing exactly uh, every matchup and how to play very very well. And then I'll be able to bring that deck to the shop and also do very very well uh, you know at the, at the local game shop with it. Uh, whereas now I'm kind of I'm kind of I'd rather play the same deck on Arena as I do um, in in paper. But uh, I'm starting to realize that maybe I should have what's right on reading soon we're doing what's right for the shop. Uh, shop right now has a lot of uh, control or mana red. It's like almost like to do choices. So I was thinking of, I think green black also fits in well there. Um, maybe maybe less against control. Uh, and I think blue, blue black made sense there as well. Because I think the, the blue back deck, the blue back build that I have uh, is um, is playing uh, Algor Bolus and uh, and enter the God Eternals, which is just very good against Mono Red. Uh, usually, you just want to stabilize until you can cast your five mana sorcery. Uh, once you gain four life and get a four four, it's very hard for them to come back. So, yeah, at the moment, I'm bouncing between those two, but I'm still keeping an eye out uh, as sort of decks that, uh, that are good. Very nice. Um, I have the Mythic Qualifier weekend coming up next weekend that I'm going to try to participate in if I'm able to schedule that while I'm on my holiday. I really hope I can because I think it'll be a cool, cool event to, to participate in. Um, I'll just very, very briefly describe the tournament structure. So it's like day one is an event that you join an arena. It's um, it's going to be eight rounds and well, uh, yeah, eight rounds available. You you join it like any other event. Like when you go to join a draft event, you click on your like fifteen hundred gold or five thousand gold, whatever the hell it is, and you just you've joined the event and then you can press play to start playing games. So this one, uh, you, we've all been given uh, a token in our account. So that's in in our in our profile page, and like the token will be consumed when we when we join the event. And then you have like I'm not sure exactly the amount of time, something like ten hours or something like that to complete your matches. And yeah, if you get to if you lose twice, you're out, you're done. And if you get to eight zero, you're obviously done as well because you you've made it to day two. And I think some. So I think eight O's and some eight and ones maybe will get into day two because there's 21 players in day two. No, sorry, 128 players in day two. And day two is going to be direct challenge. So you'll be given the name of your opponent and you'll challenge them on arena. Uh, and then the top 16 players of that will get the invite, which hopefully is me. Uh, but yeah, in, in terms of deck selection, I mean, I've I have no idea. Uh, the the deck that I want to investigate next is the Simic ma- mass manipulation deck. I want to see how that goes for a while. I think it's a powerful deck. It goes way over the top of lots of other stuff. You know, just I'm I'm drooling at the thoughts of stealing like five planeswalkers in one thing. It's going to be amazing. That is nice. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you get an activation of each one immediately. Usually, when you when you tap out to cast ten mana sorcery, um, you'll you're not doing them. Usually, you're not doing anything else at the end of the turn. But uh, now you just have you know, six planeswalkers exactly. Yep. So yeah, that's that's my priority. I might try the green black list. I don't know. Um, I know Dave and Kev did well with it this weekend at the MCQ. They did well in the first MCQ, uh, but not in the second one. So mixed results overall, I guess. Um, but I think it's worth worth investigating because your point of Field of Ruin being good at the moment, uh, combined with Assassin's Trophy. 
is decent, I think. Um, and then I suppose my fallback deck would be Mono Red if I don't find anything else that I really like, because obviously Mono Red can just win. Uh, you have like I feel like like the main deck. Well, the the configuration that I have of Mono Red at the moment I, I like, so I'd be happy with that if if all else fails. Um, yeah, it's just really hard to know what people are going to choose for this. I I do think people are just going to kind of choose whatever they've been playing recently. So I think it'll be important to keep an eye on the metagame as the week goes on. Uh, but there's there's so many people who are going to be in this event that I think it's yeah it's impossible to to truly predict the metagame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll also suggest playing the yeah, deck you're comfortable with, the deck you know you can win with um, in a vacuum. Because uh, yeah, this next week we, we we've already seen like how how much the meta has shifted from last week to this week. Uh, so because God knows what's going to happen next week. Uh, what else will emerge? And look, if people are doing nonsense, then I'd be happy to be on mono red because as soon as people are doing nonsense, they're adding way too many colors in their deck. They're shocking themselves with shock lands. Uh, they're they're not tuning properly. So like mono red really is the the deck to take advantage of that. So I'll be I'll I'll be happy to play yeah. mono red if if that's what it comes down to. Yeah, that that seems like a good approach. So, uh, best of luck. All right. Uh, hopefully, you'll come back as a as, as a champion at one of sixteen. Yes, that that would be wonderful. Uh, but you know, I'm not getting my hopes too much up. I, I'd like to day two. Uh, that'd be good. But I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think I've won eight matches in a row on arena in the last few days. So uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a tall order. Hopefully, I I get my mojo back a bit before then. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You guys win. You can just win four and lose and win four more. Yeah. True. 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 Um, you don't have to win eight in a row. You just have to win four in a row twice. Yeah, it's a great way to think about it. That helps. Thank you. Um, you just have to win two in a row four times. Uh, no, I don't think that one works. Oh well, as long as, long as you don't lose in between. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, then it works. No problem. <laughs> I think we're gonna wrap it up for for today. Uh, good episode. Good talk. Uh, before yeah. before we do wrap it up, uh, I have to say that. You know, despite the fact that I'm participating in this Mythic Qualifier weekend next weekend, I'm also going to be on holiday. So I don't know if I'll have the time to record the episode. And as we all know, the episodes don't go ahead without me. Uh, no, because I do the recording on my side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't yeah. 100% if I'll be able to record an episode. We'll try. But if not, there's going to just be... Um, uh, well, if, if we can record an episode, I might try and record... Like, a 20 minute tournament report of me just talking into the microphone and then like edit it super quick and put it up. Um, so at the minimum next week's episode will be that, uh, hopefully we are able to do a full one. Yeah. And also as well, because the fine difference, you'll be, this is going to be, uh, like in the middle of the night for you. So, uh, your C patterns will be, will be thrown out as well. Yes. Yes. They will be all over the place. All right. So that's going to do it for us this week. We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us in at skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at skullcrack. Um, and we would love to hear from you with comments, criticisms, suggestions. You can review us on iTunes. You can do nice things like that. I don't know if Spotify has a review system, but if it does, then also review us there. <laughs> I should probably check that out. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
day. Um, so it, it, this is currently, um, well, at least for me, it's uh, the 19th of May. Uh, it's a Sunday. It's about 8 o'clock. Uh, in a few hours, final episode of Game of Thrones will air. Um, if uh, you have no interest in Game of Thrones, uh, these next few minutes will not be of interest to you. <laughs> if you uh, don't want the last episode of Game of Thrones spoiled on you, um, you, you, might, you might want to uh, turn away or uh, turn your ears off or come back again. <laughs> um, because I guess I suppose by the time this episode is out, it will have already have aired. Um, but yeah, David Wolf, Game of Thrones. What, what are your thoughts on uh, the season so far, the final season so far, as an avid book fan from the past? Um, my thoughts on the final season so far are that it is very, very, very poor, with lots of bad decisions in terms of resolving plot lines and disbelieving things and yeah i just feel like it's a very different show from what it used to be uh i'm enjoying it there's still you know lots of good things about it but yeah lots of also lots of negative things like battle scenes that i don't understand how any of these hardened warriors and commanders have engineered these horribly uh like untactical battles yeah uh, i think i think a lot of it just i like it overall but it just seems has felt very very rushed um, so I guess yeah. So at the moment there is a, a petition circulating online for uh, fans to sign for I guess uh, what they want is for season eight to be reshot. Um, it's almost like well, I guess it's almost like a joke. Obviously HBO aren't going to shoot the season because people want it. But uh, at this point now, over a million people have signed it, uh, which is pretty hilarious. Um, but I guess you know, a lot of so, so some some kind of people have been critical of you know, nerds being like, oh, you know, nerds being entitled. Uh, we see this in magic as well sometimes with, you know, nerds feeling they, that they're, um, yeah, that they, that, you know, they deserve a good ending to the show, that they deserve more than this. Uh, a lot of people are also saying that just these nerds are angry that their own little uh, theories have not come true. Um, so, Dave Wolf, as you were, uh, as you read the books long ago, I'm sure you're aware of uh, some of these theories circulating online. Uh, some of them have come true, but some of them have not. Um, are you, are you aware of the many tinfoil hat theories floating around? Yes, I am aware of many of them, but not all. And I don't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of it. I remember my favorite one was the very involved uh, explanation of how um, mer people were behind everything. Uh, oh, I'm by pure coincidence that it's the one I have open right in front of me. So Ooh. today we're going to discuss how how uh, Varys is a merman. Uh, or Merlin, as it's uh, depicted um, in in the world of Ice of Fire. Oh, um, yeah. So this <laughs> this is it's kind of something I I, well, I I kind of revisited this again just recently. Um, in, in the latest episode, uh, so it was just be the penultimate episode. Uh, Varys has died. Um, it felt like you know his, his character. I liked. It felt like he wouldn't go out in this in a particular manner. I felt like there was more he could do. Then I remembered this uh, theory from long ago. It was uh, posted um, five years ago on Reddit. Uh, posted by deleted. So the person who posted this has uh, since deleted their account. So we do not know who to uh, credit uh, credit it to. But uh, yeah, basically it just points to lots of little pieces of information that suggest that Varys is a secret merman. Um, I guess it starts off, uh, there is a scene um, in the first book, what was kind of, it was kind of shown in the show as well, where uh, Arya is in the, is in the uh, dungeons of Drekki and she overhears a conversation between uh, Varys and uh, Illyrio, uh, two characters. Um, but in the books, they're described as emerging from a vast well uh, that goes down out of sight. So these two characters emerged from water, um, and Arya followed them. Um, and Arya followed them towards a place where she heard more water. It's the end of the sewer emptying into a river. Um, so I mean, that's pretty damning. Um, 
both uh, Varys and Lirio, both of these characters. So, so are you are you convinced yet? Have I convinced you? I mean, it's not to the level of like the level of proof that exists out there for like lizard lizard people conspiracies yet. So I, I'm I'm intrigued but not convinced. Okay, all right, well, how about this? Uh, Varys is usually noted for his abnormally large size. Okay, but he's also described as being light on his feet. So this suggests uh, abnormal strength. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, maybe times he's gone. I think th- there's one like small fact in there that might contradict where you're where you're going or where the, the original poster was going with this theory, and it is the phrase that he's light on his feet. So he has feet. Is that not a bit like anti Merling? Uh, that is that is that is true. Um, I think I suppose yes, yes. You, you that 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 is pretty damning this theory. Um, I guess you know, we're focused. We know them in terms. Oh no, I do. We're, we're focused. Magic got feet, don't they? Yes, I think they do. Actually, yeah. Boom. All right, theory still alive. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, here I have this. Uh, all right, during um uh, one scene where. Uh, Tyrion uh, threatened to throw Varys overboard should he be uh, this happened in the show as well Varys said that he would be surprised he said I would be surprised at the result or so Varys said that Tyrion would be surprised at the result and then, and then in the show they added a line where Varys says the big fish eat the little fish and I just paddle on paddling David merfolk paddle I mean dogs also paddle is he a dog? no he's not he's a merfolk okay continue okay um so uh, is yes, yeah, so many times uh, his his smile is described as slimy. Um, oh, it also means that you know, if you're if you're picturing someone with a slimy smile, uh, you can interpret that as in they're not showing any teeth. You know why he's not showing any teeth, David? Why? Because he has no teeth. Oh my! The merfolk. What? What? Why do merfolk not have teeth? Merfolk and magic have teeth, I think. Uh, or maybe he just has strange teeth. He doesn't want people to see. Well, what? Okay, but what's the evidence that merfolk have strange teeth or no teeth? Um. Well, they hardly have human teeth. They have a entirely you know, our teeth are based on or have evolved from our diet. Merfolk who have a very different diet to ours. No, I don't buy it. I think they would eat they would eat fish and they would eat sea vegetables. So same teeth. Okay, well, right. We'll add something else to the equation. Okay, we have a, a little finger. So one point, little finger says he has virus completely under his control because I believe little finger knows of virus's secret. Uh, little finger has a ship called the Merlin King. Is that a coincidence? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, all right. How about this? How about this? Sorry. If you bring ice and fire together, what do you get? Uh, water. Water. Exactly. What, what do you mer- Mind blown. Water. That's it. That's it. Um, that's the piece of evidence that's tipped me over. <laughs> we got there. We got there. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I see. There was there something else. Um, yeah. No. That, that's really it. Uh, yeah. I. I you know, I, I was convinced by this. Uh, a lot of people are convinced by this. Um, I mean, uh, you know, he's bald. You know, Merfolk doesn't have air. He doesn't have any air. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think Devon speaks for itself. So I think in the world of Ice of Fire, it's like a, like a, it's like a coffee table book that was written a few years ago of like the, the, the history of the world and stuff. Um, you know, there, there is described to be a race of, of uh, what, what, are, what, are, what are called uh, deep ones uh, living uh, under the ocean, uh, just like something out of a H.P. Lovecraft uh, story. Uh, these uh, deep ones have uh, constructed the, uh, the the sea stone chair. That's uh, the throne that the um, that the uh, that the uh, uh, that the uh, Iron Islands the lads Krakens. What are they called? Greyjoys. Uh, Greyjoys. The Greyjoys sit on. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was constructed by um, the deep ones uh, in like a very kind of slimy black 
uh, stone kind of material. Um, so it's possible that in the next episode, um, yeah, so yeah, in the next episode, I believe that after murdering, uh, uh, that these deep ones will uh, rise up and uh, storm the King's Landing and uh, they will they will make Daenerys pay for uh, killing their merfolk mate. And they'll be led by uh, Ilario. He was the guy in back in episode one who married um, uh, Daenerys off because all the evidence that suggests Faris is a merfolk also uh, applies to Ilario. Illyrio. All right. Well, I, I I greatly enjoyed uh, revisiting that theory, and I would like to subscribe to your newsletter uh, for more information on um, Merling interests in the Seven Kingdoms. And I genuinely hope that that is how Game of Thrones ends next week, because or this week, very soon, because I'm sure that's probably a better ending than what we're really going to get. Uh, yes, and there has been leaks uh, from a Spanish source. Uh, suggesting how it ends and the way I suggested how it, that ends is not very good uh, I hope anything but that happens yep all right well let's uh let's leave it at that because we have to go and get ready to download said episode oh not download I mean legally watch through fully uh fully acceptable means yes yes <laughs> yeah limewire using limewire <laughs> wow that's a name I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Bye-bye. I'll paddle on.